0: Let's take our Bibles tonight. Please turn to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, continuing our series on the heart. And tonight it's the four hearts of the world. The four hearts of the world. In a few minutes, we'll gather for our monthly Nets meeting, needing everyone to tell of salvation. And many are involved in that. We appreciate that so much. So it's appropriate that we spend time before each of these meetings and we preach on the need of evangelism or the condition of the lost, the reality of hell and heaven, we preach about the love of Christ or his grace in our life and so on, that we might be motivated to reach out to a lost and dying world. So tonight, we're going to spend some time in the parable of the sower. At the same time, we'll continue our series on the heart. If we're going to sow seed, we really need to know what we're up against. I think a farmer is very careful and the types of soil that he has, understanding what is best sown in that type of soil, how to nurture it and grow it and take care of that crop, and the farmer takes the time to make sure that he understands that he's getting the right seed, that he'll get the most bang for his buck. And so tonight we're going to look at that concept a little bit, and as we look at Mark chapter 4, the Bible says, and he began, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, he began again to teach by the seaside. And there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that, he, so that he entered into a ship, and sat in the sea. And the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. And he taught them many things by parables, and said unto them in his doctrine, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. <clears throat> and it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased, and brought forth some thirty, and some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. When he was alone, they that were about him with them twelve asked of him the parable. And he said unto them, Unto you it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all these things are done in parables. That seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest at any time they should be converted and their sins should be forgiven them. And he said unto them, Know ye not this parable? And How then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, Immediately they are offended. These are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word. And the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it. And bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We pray that you'd help us now to... Tune out any of the distractions of this world. Help us, Lord, we pray, to focus upon the word of God for the next several minutes and apply it to our hearts and lives. May the spirit of God teach us tonight. Lord, I need your help and I ask for your filling as I surrender to thee. And Father, we'll give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want you to focus with me on a verse. It'll be our key verse as our theme tonight. Look at verse 15 with me. The Bible says, And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. You'll notice the parallel verse to this. This is the interpretation by Jesus Christ, if you'll look back with me in verse 4. And it came to pass as he sowed, Some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Jesus later, because it's a parable, interpreted it to his people. And the Bible says he said this in verse 15, These are they by the wayside. So he's interpreting, verse 4, this parable, where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan comes immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. The point I'm trying to make with verse 15 as our theme tonight is that Jesus likens the soil or the ground to the human heart. Do you see that in the scripture with me? The Bible says the sower went forth to sow. In verse 4, he sowed some and it fell by the wayside. Some fell in stony places. Some fell where there was thorns. Some fell on good ground. But in verse 15, he goes back and refers to those, that seed that was sown and fell by the wayside. And he said it is the seed that is sown in their hearts so the soil is the heart of man and tonight we see four different types of sowing and we see four different hearts don't we but the fact that we see this Jesus likens the soil to the heart it kind of brings some immediate thoughts to mind and let me share those with you before I give you the four types of heart tonight the first thing we must understand when we are sowing the seed of the gospel all right and really that's what Christ is talking about isn't he The seed is the word. The Bible says that. And it is being sown into the hearts of men. And some are falling on wayside, and some is falling on stony ground, and some is falling falling among the thorns, but some is finding good ground and is taking root and bringing forth fruit. And so this this word that is being sown is being sown to the hearts, and the first uh, conclusion that we must draw, we'll do the conclusions first tonight, is this, the work of soul winning is a spiritual work. We need to understand that. If we're going to be uh, effective soul winners, if we are going to be doing the work of God and sowing the seed to man's heart, we have to understand that the work of soul winning is a spiritual work. I want you to notice that it is sown to the heart, it is not sown to the head. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, you could uh, very easily take your Bible and you could uh, get into a match of intellect with somebody and you could argue the scriptures. I I would suggest that most here tonight have a a firm enough grasp on the scripture scripture, that you could could confound a lot of people and you could argue with them intelligently out of the scriptures and you can try to convince them of their need of a savior on an intellectual basis. But friends, it is a spiritual battle, not an intellectual one. I want to say, secondly, that we have to understand that soul winning is a spiritual work. It is not an emotional work. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, you might be able to illustrate very well. You might be able to lay aside your Bible because you know it so well and begin to tell the story of the cross of Calvary. You can tell the story of that little child in the manger who would grow into a man and lay aside his glory and be nailed to a cross and beaten with whips and a crown of fire and his blood would be shed. Boy, you can tell an emotional story, but the Bible says this is not an emotional thing. It doesn't appeal to the head, the mind. It doesn't appeal to... To the emotion, the Bible uses a word for emotions in the Bible called the bowels. He says, well, that's an Old Testament word. Look it up in the New Testament. It appears other times as well. Paul says, uh, your bowels of compassion or how you, your heart went out to me, your emotions. That's the seat of emotions. He says it doesn't appeal to that. It's not appealing to the mind. It's not appealing to your emotions. It's appealing to the heart. That's a spiritual work. When the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking about the seat of the spiritual man. In Colossians chapter, uh, I believe it's in Colossians chapter 3, we read about how Christ dwells in the heart. It's a spiritual place, it's that spiritual dwelling place of God. And so it is a spiritual work. Turn, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're just going to give you the conclusions, and then we'll go into the four types of hearts. A little bit backwards tonight. I don't want the piano player running up when I'm done with the conclusion because we still got a message, all right? right, Second Corinthians chapter 3, look at verse... Uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And look at verse 6. Paul is saying, I have planted, Apollos watered, but read that out loud with me together, but God gave the increase... It's a spiritual work, isn't it? Paul said, I couldn't give an increase. Apollos couldn't give an increase. Peter couldn't give an increase. God gave the increase. It is a spiritual work. He goes on in verse 7, So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. What I'm saying is this. In order for that seed of God's word to be planted in the heart and to be transformed into anything that God can use, God has to get involved. You can't win any converts. You can't do the work in the flesh. The Spirit of God must fill you and use you uh, to implant that seed and let God do the work and give increase. We must pray as we sow. The Bible says this. He that goeth forth and weepeth. Bearing precious seeds shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. Bringing his sheaves with him. That word a weepeth literally means to demonstrate a brokenness before God. And a deep reliance on him. We must rely upon God. It is a spiritual work. Here's the second conclusion we can draw from that verse. Verse 15. In Mark chapter 4. The Holy Spirit must speak to the heart. If it is a spiritual work, if it is focused in the heart of man, then that's where the Holy Spirit must work. And you say, well, that seems redundant, but let me explain what I mean. In other words, I have no way to spiritually affect a man's heart. I have no way of doing that. We need to come to that realization. So the first thing is we come to the realization, and now how do we put it in action? How how do we go about it? You say, well, I can never win a soul to Christ then, because I'm just a man. And we do need to understand that and realize that we have no way to spiritually affect a man's heart apart from the Holy Spirit of God working through His Word. All right? Again, I can argue scripture on an intellectual level. I can appeal to people on an emotional level, but it's the Word of God that is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword. It is the Word of God that washes, By the, the Bible says, the washing of the water of His Word. It's that which cleanses the heart. It's the Word of God that changes lives. We are transformed by the Word of God. And so it, it, the Holy Spirit must speak to the heart. I must be filled with His Spirit. To be of any use to God. And thirdly, third conclusion I'll draw is this, my prayers must target the heart. Now this might just be semantics for you, but think about this. How many times have we prayed for a lost soul and we say, God, I pray that they'll come to a decision. You ever done that? Boy, we, we, we use those words, don't we? I, I pray that they'll make a, a decision for Christ or Lord, I pray that they'll change their mind and they'll come to you. Now, understand, we repentance is a change of mind, right? But something has to happen in the heart first. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying that, I'm not discounting. The Bible says we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. But who was Paul speaking to? I beseech you, therefore, brethren. They were already saved, And now he's telling them to be transformed by the renewing of their mind. So our hearts are affected, then our mind changes. It has to be in that order. That's the biblical and scriptural order. And so I I shouldn't be asking God to change their mind. I I shouldn't be asking God to bring them to a decision. As a matter of fact, I should be asking God to change their hearts. To do a work on their heart. It's just semantics, friends. This is called the word. It's full of words. And we have to be careful about words. Because, listen, you can change one word and take away the deity of Christ. You can change one word and go from uh, an immersion to sprinkling. So words are very important. And we need to be praying that God would affect the hearts. And we need to ask God for tender hearts to sow the seed to. We need to ask God for a ready heart. How many of you know that there are some seasons that are better to sow than others? How many of you would go out and plant corn today? It's not, not, not a lot of wisdom in that, is there? And I'm not saying, Brother, brother uh, Logan preached a great message on, we don't know, so we should always be sowing. And I agree with him 100%. What I'm saying is this, that there are seasons arise in a person's life that we know it's appropriate to sow the seed. You've been sowing, and you've been praying, and you've been sowing, and you've been praying, and now a loved one dies, you think, boy, they need to hear about Christ again. They find out they've got a a terrible disease and the doctor's only given them a short time to live. And immediately we say, here's the season they need to hear the gospel again. There are certain seasons in which we sow. So ask God for a ready heart and ask God to spiritually speak directly to their heart. Allow him to do the work. Now, turn back to Mark chapter 4 and let's notice together these four different hearts. I want you to notice, first of all, in verses 4 and verse 15, the forgotten heart, the forgotten heart. So I was studying this and looking at these few things this week. I came to realize that the wayside was not the problem. You know, I've seen farmers around here even that they'll sow their seed and they use those big spreaders or what have you and some falls in the ditch. Sometimes you just see a little bit of wheat growing in the ditch or straw or something, you... You might see, uh, we used to see wild asparagus in the ditches in different places. In Africa, they use every square inch of dirt. And there'll be a road and another road over here and in between those roads on the corner. They they got a little patch of land. They'll be farming that land. There'll be corn right there in the middle of the city. There'll be all kinds of things because they till that ground. They use it. There's no such thing as a wayside over there. Every piece of land is important. But as I got thinking about the wayside, I got realizing... The problem was not that seed fell on that heart. That's a good thing. The problem is is that we considered it the wayside. And we forgot to till that ground. Think about that. If the soil represents the heart of man, that's a man that needs the gospel. That's a woman that needs the gospel. That's a child that needs the gospel. And if they need the gospel, why not sow the seed there? And yet God says it's the wayside. Why? I want you to notice what the Bible says. Verse 4. And it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Verse 15. And these are they which by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. I have to understand, or I have to figure this, that if the wayside were been properly cultivated and properly tilled and the weeds were removed and the stones were cleared and the stumps were pulled out, you could perfectly well grow a crop there. But the sower carelessly sowed the seed without giving any discipleship, without making sure that the seed was planted in the ground, without making sure that it was hidden from where these birds could come and eat away at these seed. And so there is a responsibility when we sow the seed. You know, those represent those who receive the seed, but it is not nurtured and taken care of. I suppose if a farmer were to sow a whole field and a little bit flew over into the ditch and maybe some spilt off his tractor and another when he was driving home and got in the ditch somewhere, he might say, well, I'm not going to bother with that little bit. I mean, it's, it's down in the ditch. It's hard to get to. There's no way I can cultivate it. I can't, I can't get my tractor in there to harvest it in any way. And so maybe you just say, I'd forget it. And you know, the truth is when we sow seed, we're like that a lot. We just hand a gospel tract and say, Here, would you read this? And we keep walking. But we need to make sure the seed gets into the heart. Because the birds, I'm telling you, that old bird Satan, he's just waiting to pluck that seed. He's going to tell him, don't you read that. That guy doesn't really care for you. He just hands you the track and he just kept going. He didn't stop and talk to you. He didn't help you in any way. And so the seed gets plucked away. I heard a story years ago. A preacher told me, and I believe it's a true story. He, He was going to the gym one night and he was working out and... As he was coming out of the gym, he had a night school class at the church. And so he had a he'd come from work and had a quick supper, went over to the gym, spent an hour. He had to be back in the church about 7 o'clock. And so he showered very quickly, and he got his suit and tie on right there at the gym, and he was leaving. And as he was leaving, there was two men going in, and he picked up a gospel track out of his pocket. And he said, here, fellas, why don't you read this? And he just kept on walking. He said the Holy Spirit just spoke to his heart right away. And he said, the Holy Spirit said to him this, you could lead them to the Lord if you wanted to. He said, I just dropped my head and I was so busy with my schedule. He says, all I did was cast some seed along the wayside. He said, were those men going to read those tracks? Would they be like the Ethiopian eunuch who wouldn't understand what was in there anyway? Would they? He says, what good was I doing planting a seed that the birds were going to pluck away in just a moment? So as I turned around, I said, hey, fellas, I can tell you what that track says if you have a couple minutes. And he said, the Lord allowed me to lead one of them to Jesus Christ. He became a member of our church and a deacon after several years. You know, we would win more souls if we were careful about the seed we were sowing and where we were sowing it to. The forgotten heart. Listen, we need to be responsible for the seed once it is sown, let me encourage you, don't be just a drive-by Christian, firing your gospel gun and never coming back again. Follow up. You get a chance to share the gospel. Somebody. That's why I like the Nets program. Somebody shares the gospel, we get a card, we go back, we follow up, and we, get, we have that contact, and we just keep going back again and again if we need to. But friends, don't let it just fall by the wayside. The second heart we see is not just the forgotten heart. We see the fragile heart. Verse 5 says, and some fell on stony ground where it had, not been, it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Look at verse 16, the interpretation by Jesus. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. and have no root in themselves. And so endure but for a time afterward when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. They're fragile. Why are they fragile? Because there's no root. There's just no root. They easily topple over when the storms of life come. They don't don't have anything to stand on because they've not learned anything to stand on. Listen, I, I, let me encourage you, when you do lead somebody to the Lord, take the time to disciple them. A newborn baby, we just. I went over today and got to see the little guy, Timothy, and I, I got to hold him, and I held him until Grandpa came in. And uh, then my time was up, you understand? And so I was holding the little guy and, and thinking, you know, Calvin and Amanda probably won't come to church tonight and leave him in the crib and say, well, there's a bottle in the fridge if you need it there, Timothy. You, you would say they're the worst parents ever. You'd say, that, that is just crazy. Well, I, you know, I left a couple extra diapers there in the crib, and I left a bottle for them, and, you know, I, the little guy, he's, I mean, he, I mean, he's 24 hours old already. Come on. He should be able to take care of himself. And yet, that's what we do with new Christians. We win them to the Lord, and, and the old motto was, win them, wet them, and work them. Without any discipleship, without any spiritual growth, without any investing in their lives and making sure that their roots go down a little bit deeper. Because, by the way, the devil is going to throw persecution and affliction. And he's going to try to topple those those little plants that are growing and not yet bearing fruit. But they're going to get offended. Teach them the word of God. The Bible says this, Great peace have they which love thy law, the word of God, and nothing shall offend them. We get them grounded in the word and then they can, they won't be so fragile anymore. There's a third heart. There's the flippant heart. The flippant heart. Look at verse 7. And some fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no fruit. Look down at verse 18. And those, and these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in choke the word and it become unfruitful. We've looked at the forgotten heart, the fragile heart, but I want you to notice the flippant heart. The word flippant means not to take something seriously. They've received, look, look what the Bible says in verse 19. And the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in that implies that the word of God made it in their hearts. But so did the deceitfulness of riches and the cares of this world. It got in there too. And those weeds took root with that seed. You see, we need, to we need, listen, we used to preach repentance, amen? Put the world behind you when you get saved. The flippant heart is one that says, I, I, you know what, I'll, 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 I'll try Jesus. I'll, I'll let him into my life, and I'll ask Jesus in my heart, and, but I'm not going to repent. I'm not going to give up the world. The Bible says the deceitfulness of the riches and the cares of this world will get in there, and they'll choke it out if you're flippant about your salvation. By the way, the fact that the seed made it into the heart and began to take root tells me that this was likely a saved person they're talking about. It can happen to you. How many of you know somebody that allowed the cares of this world to get in and choke it out? How many of you know that they had a family in church and the kids were doing fine, but then when they got a little bit older and they got into baseball in the summer and hockey in the winter, you didn't see them at church anymore? There was a tournament every weekend. The cares of this world got in and choked it out. How many say, well, I used to go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, but you know, Wednesday night's my only night to get groceries, and Sunday afternoon's my only time to do the laundry, and so the cares of this world choked it out. Be careful, because soon that spiritual light will be diminished, and you'll be of no use to God. The Bible says, they became or becometh, verse 19, unfruitful. The flippant hurt. But I want you to see the fourth one, the fruitful heart. The fruitful heart. Look at verse 8. And other fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30 and some 60 and some 100. Look at verse 20. And these are they which are sown on good ground and such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit. Some 30 fold, some 60 and some 100. Is Brother Ray back there? Brother Rob's back there? Let me there's a couple of farmers back there and they're kind of in a, they can't get away. They'd like to get away, but they can't. Let me ask you guys, which harvest would you like? Which one do you want? Number four, Rob, same one. The, the one that brings forth bountifully. Let me ask you this this is just common sense. Which one do you think God is pleased with? The fruitful heart. You see, the, the fragile heart must break God's heart because it falls away so easily. It's like taking that baby and just leaving that child and saying, you take care of yourself and we'll, we'll get back to you when you're old enough to, ha- to be fun. You know, all they do is eat and sleep and, you know, man, when they get a little older, they're a lot of fun, but when they're real little, they need a lot of care. Baby Christians do too. They need need that that investment in their life. They need the word of God. And yes, it's worth it if you can clear away some of the stones and clear away some of the thorns and make sure that they find good ground and take root. The flippant heart is dangerous. God says, why are you playing with the world? You're in danger of falling away. God is pleased by the fruitful heart. There are some that will allow the seed to take root. Listen, friend, for so long, I always looked at this passage and thought, well, that's just the way it is. I'm going to cast my seed. I'm going to tell others about Jesus. I'm going to preach on, uh, uh, from a pulpit. I'm going to, you know, we have an internet ministry and all those things. And some, some's going to be fruitful and some's not. God said it, so I'll just accept it. Some's going to fall in stony places. And some's going to fall among the thorns. And some's going to allow the cares of this world and their heart's going to choke it out friends, we we ought not resign ourselves to the fact. I don't believe that's what God is saying at all. I believe he's saying, listen, take, take these ones and pull some weeds. And move some rocks. And get them grounded in the word. Let them take root. So that they too can become fruitful. That's our responsibility. The spirit of God has genuinely transformed this life, this fruitful one. So that it is useful to God. Now listen. The forgotten heart and the fragile heart. Can both be helped with some care and discipleship. It just needs good soil. It needs the Word of God. It needs the Holy Spirit of God to teach it and to grow it and to nurture it. He said, Oh, but there's stones there. Stones can be dug up and moved, weeds can be pulled. They need the Word of God, they need to be grounded. Paul has been dealing with a fellow by the name of Jason Cochran. <laughs> And uh, Jason Balcom, he uh, accepted Christ a little while ago. And he said, well, I haven't seen him in church. I haven't seen him in church. I haven't seen him baptized yet. I tell you this, he led him to the Lord several months ago. And every single week, every Tuesday, there's discipleship. And he's growing. One day, I got a knock on my door. And I came out, and there was Jason. He says, I just want to thank you. And I said, the first time I ever met him, I don't know, I didn't do anything. He says, for letting Paul take the time to teach me every week. I'm, I'm learning and I'm growing. I, I, he'll be in church soon enough, you watch. Why? You say, well, maybe that fell by the wayside. Maybe that fell on some among the thorns. Maybe it did. But now he's getting into some good soil, amen? And his heart's beginning to change. And I believe that if, we, if Paul just keeps investing and in teaching him the word of God and helping him grow, eventually, eventually, we'll see him baptized and added to the church. Caesar came into my office and for months we went through discipleship and on the very, the very last day of discipleship he dropped and said, Pastor, I'm not saved. All the seed that I had cast up to that point was on the wayside and it was among the thorns but that day it found good ground. Praise the Lord. Keep working on those hearts. Keep praying for those hearts. Pray that God will work on those hearts. Listen, prayer is our greatest resource in soul winning. You already have the Bible, and you're going to use the word. You're going to use the Romans road, or you're going to use something from the word of God. You understand that. But are you praying for God to change the heart and God to work in the heart? The flippant heart can only be helped when it chooses to separate from the world. Friends, maybe that's you tonight. Why don't we stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed? Maybe you're like the one with the flippant heart. It's just not taking this thing salvation seriously. The Bible says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's serious stuff. We must separate from the world. Maybe some of you tonight are thinking, you know what, I, I shared the gospel with somebody a long time ago, and it just they just kind of petered out. They just never really took root. Why don't you follow up on them? Why don't you pray for them right now, tonight, and say, I'm going to follow up on that person sometime, and I'm going to try to impress upon them again the need of Jesus Christ, and maybe this time I'll get a little bit further. Maybe this time this seed will find good soil. Would you pray?